Part five of Shakespeare's Sonnets. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Sonnets by William Shakespeare. Part five. Sonnets forty one to fifty. Forty one. Those pretty wrongs that liberty commits, When I am sometime absent from thy heart, Thy beauty and thy years full well befits, For still temptation follows where thou art. Gentle thou art, and therefore to be won, Beauteous thou art, and therefore to be assailed, And when a woman woos, what woman's son Will sourly leave her till he have prevailed? Ay me! But yet thou mightst my seat forbear, And chide thy beauty and thy straying youth, Who lead thee in their riot even there, Where thou art forced to break a twofold truth, Hers by thy beauty tempting her to thee, Thine by thy beauty being false to me. 42. That thou hast her, it is not all my grief, and yet it may be said I loved her dearly. That she hath thee is of my wailing chief, A loss in love that touches me more nearly. Loving offenders, thus I will excuse ye. Thou dost love her, because thou knowest I love her. And for my sake even so doth she abuse me, Suffering my friend for my sake to approve her. If I lose thee, my loss is my love's gain. And losing her, my friend hath found that loss. Both find each other, and I lose both twain, And both for my sake lay on me this cross. But here's the joy, my friend and I are one. Sweet flattery, then she loves but me alone. 43. When most I wink, then do mine eyes best see, For all the day they view things unrespected. But when I sleep, in dreams they look on thee, And darkly bright are bright in dark directed. Then thou, whose shadow shadows doth make bright, How would thy shadows form, form happy show To the clear day, with thy much clearer light, when to unseeing eyes thy shade shines so. How would, I say, mine eyes be blessed made By looking on thee in the living day, When in dead night thy fair imperfect shade Through heavy sleep on sightless eyes doth stay. All days are nights to see till I see thee, And nights bright days when dreams do show thee me. 44. If the dull substance of my flesh were thought, Injurious distance should not stop my way. For then, despite of space, I would be brought From limits far remote, where thou dost stay. No matter, then, although my foot did stand Upon the farthest earth removed from thee, For nimble thought can jump both sea and land, As soon as think the place where he would be. But, ah! Thought kills me that I am not thought, To leap large lengths of miles when thou art gone, 
but that so much of earth and water wrought I must attend, time's leisure with my moan, receiving naught by elements so slow but heavy tears, badges of either's woe. 45. The other two, slight air and purging fire, are both with thee, wherever I abide. The first my thought, the other my desire, these present absent with swift motion slide. For when these quicker elements are gone in tender embassy of love to thee, my life being made a four with two alone sinks down to death, oppressed with melancholy. Until life's composition be recurred by those swift messengers returned from thee, who even but now come back again, assured of thy fair health, recounting it to me. This told, I joy, but then no longer glad, I send them back again, and straight grow sad. 46. Mine eye and heart are at a mortal war, how to divide the conquest of thy sight. Mine eye, my heart, thy picture's sight would bar, my heart, mine eye, the freedom of that right. My heart doth plead that thou in him dost lie, a closet never pierced with crystal eyes. But the defendant doth that plea deny, and says in him thy fair appearance lies. To side this title is impanelled a quest of thoughts, all tenants to the heart, and by their verdict is determined the clear eye's moiety, and the dear heart's part. As thus, mine eye's due is thy outward part, and my heart's right, thy inward love of heart. 47. Betwixt mine eye and heart a league is took, and each doth good turns now unto the other. When that mine eye is famished for a look, or heart in love with sighs himself doth smother, with my love's picture then my eye doth feast, and to the painted banquet bids my heart. Another time mine eye is my heart's guest, and in his thoughts of love doth share a part. So either by thy picture or my love, thyself away art present still with me. For thou not farther than my thoughts canst move, and I am still with them, and they with thee. Or if they sleep, thy picture in my sight awakes my heart, to heart's and eyes delight. 48. How careful was I when I took my way, each trifle under truest bars to thrust, that to my use it might unused stay, from hands of falsehood, in sure wards of trust. But thou, to whom my jewels trifles are, most worthy comfort, now my greatest grief, thou best of dearest, and mine only care, are left the prey of every vulgar thief. Thee have I not locked up in any chest, save where thou art not, though I feel thou art, within the gentle closure of my breast, from whence at pleasure thou mayest come and part. And even thence thou wilt be stolen, I fear, for truth proves thievish for a prize so dear. 49. Against that time, 
if ever that time come, when I shall see thee frown on my defects, when as thy love hath cast his utmost sum, called to that audit by advised respects, against that time when thou shalt strangely pass, and scarcely greet me with that sun, thine eye, when love, converted from the thing it was, shall reasons find of settled gravity. Against that time do I ensconce me here, within the knowledge of mine own desert, and this my hand against myself uprear, to guard the lawful reasons on thy part. To leave poor me thou hast the strength of laws, since why to love I can allege no cause. 50. How heavy do I journey on the way, when what I seek, my weary travel's end, doth teach that ease and that repose to say, Thus far the miles are measured from thy friend. The beast that bears me, tired with my woe, plods dully on, to bear that weight in me, as if by some instinct the wretch did know his rider loved not speed, being made from thee. The bloody spur cannot provoke him on, that sometimes anger thrusts into his hide, which heavily he answers with a groan, more sharp to me than spurring to his side. For that same groan doth put this in my mind, my grief lies onward, and my joy behind. End of part five.